Welcome to ETF TV News on the week of January the 18th, 2021. We're going to be updating you on the latest ETFs to have issued and also to look at some of the big trends that are happening in the ETF space. With me, as every week, is Deborah Furr. Deborah, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Deborah, can you tell us, we've seen the end of year figures now for 2020. What are those figures telling us about the market? And what does that imply for investors? I think what it applies for investors is that many investors decided to use ETFs as a tool to implement asset allocation last year. So we saw the year end numbers would show us that basically $8 trillion in assets, which is pretty amazing. Yep. Assets grew by more than 23% globally. If we look at the US ETF industry, we ended the year at $5.47 trillion. Europe is at 1.28, Japan is at 543, Asia Pacific at as 445, and Canada is a record 200 billion US dollars. So we've seen significant asset growth and net inflows, significant new investors using ETFs in more ways. So we're seeing more appetite, more actual issuance as well. Are there any big themes that we're picking out from what's happened over the last year in terms of both investor appetite and issuance? ESG and thematic has clearly been an area where we've seen significant inflows. We've also seen a number of new products come to market. So if we look at the issuance of new ETFs last year, there were 908 new products that came to market, Mm -hmm. 493 closures. So net new, we have 415 new ETFs. So I think we've seen a growing palette of products that are available and uh, a growing use of these products in different ways around the world. What are we seeing in terms of the actual issuers themselves and the wider ETF industry? Are there any indications that we have of how they're engaging in the market? I guess you could look at it in a couple of ways. So we are seeing a number of new ETF issuers come to market or announce they're coming to market. So Capital Group last week announced that they've hired Holly Framstead, who's been at BlackRock for about 15 years. They plan to launch ETFs in 2022. We've seen others come to market launching ETFs. Each week, we've seen a new issuer almost on average. And we've also seen that Old Mission has hired Todd Hollander to grow their business. So we're seeing increasing growth in the number and types of APs and market makers. So I think the entire ecosystem is growing. You know, we saw new exchanges over the past year also. And then bringing it to today, what have we seen issued over the last week? What are the trends there? Yeah, so we saw 23 new ETFs come to market from 19 different issuers. Eight were in the US, five were in Canada, five in China, one in Korea, three on the London Stock Exchange, one on the Deutsche Börse. Seven of them are active. And again, mostly along the thematic and some ESG in there. Now looking at the specific ETFs that were issued over the last week, could you give some detail on what we've seen? So Franklin Templeton launched an exponential data ETF. It's actively managed. It's investing in companies focused on or expected to benefit from the use of large data sets or the growing use of data. We saw Horizon Kinetics launch their first ETF. It's active and it's inflation beneficiaries looking at identifying scalable businesses that have the potential to thrive in an inflationary environment. Mm-hmm. GlobalX has launched a new index ETF on adaptive US risk management. We have American Century doing another active ETF on low volatility. Index IQ has done a Healthy Hearts ETF, which is index-based, working with the American Heart Association. Overlay has launched two ETFs that are active, Hedge Large Cap Equity, which is an options strategy ETF, 
And then an overlay share short-term bond, which also uses option strategy. Maryland has launched an AI best of the breed core momentum. It's going to invest in one of three sectors, a factor and a regional. And then when it thinks it's a bear market, it will go to defensive allocations like treasury, gold, aggregate ETFs. We also have products coming out in Canada from CI where they launched a gold bullion ETF and a Monroe Global Equity Growth ETF. They offer dollar share classes and Canadian dollar. Evolve did a cloud computing index fund in Canada and Harvest did a travel and leisure index ETF. And Harvest has done an active clean energy ETF. If we look at Europe, Invesco did two ETFs that are ESG. One mm-hmm. is focused on Japan and one is Pacific X Japan. And CraneShares has launched a MSCI All China Healthcare Index ETF. So we can see some theme around healthcare here. Yeah. Tableau has done the first Euro IG bond Paris aligned climate usage ETF. And moving to Asia, we have five ETFs in China. So we have Bocera has done a CSI New Energy. CIB has done a CSSE50 ETF. We have Gota has done a medical service ETF. China Asset Management has done a food and beverage. Haitung Pinebridge has done a Hong Kong Connect 50 ETF. And in Korea, KB Asset Management has done a global data center REITs ETF. So you can see a lot of themes are in there. We're seeing a lot of cross-listing, aren't we? What does that mean for investors? Yeah, so when we look at the cross-listings, there were 65 cross-listings. So for most ETF issuers, they're trying to get economies of scale and market the same products to more issuers around the world. So in many cases, you can just register. In other cases, you need to register and cross-list if you want to target, especially the retail channel, because most retail investors and retail distributors only trade on the local exchange. So being registered is not really sufficient. So we're seeing interest in listings in Latin America, in Asia, and of course, across Europe. That's giving a lot of opportunity for investors and with those cross listings, greater access too. That's been great. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you.